Hey everybody, it's Jay Bear, founder of Convince and Convert. Welcome to this week's Social Pros Podcast. My friend Adam Brown is off this week. I'm going to be interviewing Will McInnes, who's the Chief Marketing Officer of Brandwatch, one of the global leaders in social intelligence. This is an amazing company that really takes a lot of data and helps organizations, brands, agencies figure out what's being said and what to do about it, how to build their businesses, how to respond to social media chatter, social media crisis. Will's been doing this a long time, a super smart guy and really has a handle on the pulse of social data and where all of that is headed. Some really interesting uh, tidbits in today's episode as well about the future of social listening, about the future of data, where you can listen to what customers are saying in ways that you may not have thought of before. You're really going to enjoy this one. Please stay tuned for this week's episode with Will McGinnis, the Chief Marketing Officer of Brandwatch. This is Jay Bear from Convince and Convert. Welcome to Season 6 of Social Pros. If you want to learn how big companies succeed with social media, you have found the perfect podcast. The show is brought to you by Salesforce Marketing Cloud, inspiring one-to-one connections with your customers through social, mobile, email, web, and advertising. The show is also brought to you by Yext, whose award-winning location management platform helps companies of all sizes drive more foot traffic to their doors and get more customer reviews. And by Convince and Convert, social media strategy advisors and counselors to the world's most interesting brands. Convince and Convert makes your social better. My co-host for the show is Adam Brown. Find all links, archives, and more at socialpros.com. Are you ready? Let's get to work. Hi, friends. This is Jay Bear from Convince and Convert. Thanks, as always, for listening to Social Pros. I tell you, now, in our eighth year doing this show, it simply wouldn't be possible without the support of our sponsors. This week, they include Salesforce Marketing Cloud, longstanding sponsor of the show. You know, social is more important than ever for B2B marketers, yet some have a hard time using it effectively or measuring results. There's a new complete guide, totally free, from our friends at Salesforce. It's called The Complete Guide to Social Media for B2B Marketers, and it reveals the best types of content for each segment and each social channel, talks about the role of metrics, social listening, and how to elevate your message and drive results in social for B2B. Really good stuff. No cost. Just go to bit.ly slash social B2B guide. That's bit.ly slash social B, the number two B guide, all lowercase. You can download it right now. This week, the show is also brought to you by Brand Watch. As you know, there's thousands and thousands and thousands of images shared online every second. It's crazy. Instagram everywhere, etc. Brand Watch has world-leading image insights that can discover any logo in any picture and then helps brands measure their visibility within those photos. Pretty cool stuff. They've used this technology to look through, check this out, 250 million images to figure out which logos appear the most, and they've produced the 2018 Brand Visibility Report. This thing is fascinating. It shows you how often the most popular brands are photographed online, how brands are more visible in particular locations, which brands are used more by influencers in their photos, and the sentiment attached to each of the brand's images. Really great stuff. Terrific report. Lots of smart data. Grab it at brandwatch.com slash socialpros. Brandwatch.com slash social pros. No cost for the brand new 2018 brand visibility report. Awesome. 
And this week, the show is brought to you by ICUC. Now, if you run a business with multiple locations, which I'm sure is true for many of you, you might be curious about how they're doing each of those locations in terms of online search, local reputation, competitor benchmarking, all that kind of thing. So ICUC does that, right? And they're offering you, the Social Pros listener, a free trial, seven days, totally free, whatever you want to do to their platform so that you can monitor the performance of up to 50, 50 of your actual store locations. That is super generous. You will not believe what they can show you about location performance. Go to icuc.social slash audit. It's icuc, the number, uh, number, the letter I, the letter C, the letter U, the letter C, dot social. Okay, it's not dot com, it's dot social. icuc.social slash audit to get started. You're gonna love it. Now, this week's Social Pros Podcast. This week on Social Pros, our guest is Will McGinnis, Chief Marketing Officer of Brand Watch. Adam's off today, but delighted to be here with Will. My friend, thank you so much for being on the podcast. How are you? I'm really good, Jay. It's great to be here with you. Thank you. My pleasure. And before we get into it too deep, thank you very much for being a sponsor of the show as well. Really appreciate Brandwatch coming aboard as a sponsor here of Social Pros over the last few weeks. Been fantastic to work with you and the entire team. Now, because I've been talking about Brandwatch here for a bit on the show, I suspect that most listeners are familiar with what you do. But just in case, this might be your first show, the second show that you've tuned into Social Pros. Maybe, Will, it would be great for you to describe sort of the core offering for Brandwatch. Sure. Thanks, Jay. So Brandwatch is the global leader in social intelligence. And what that means is we've got this intelligence suite of products that help you as a marketer or a social media professional find the answers that you need from social really quickly. So whether you're you know, a marketing analyst in, in Unilever and you want to understand where hair care trends emerge and what the key topics are or whether you're working in an independent agency in Ohio and you just want some great material for the pitch tomorrow to really wow the client, you can use Brandwatch tools to find out the answers that you want about what people are talking about, who's influential, those kind of things. One of the things that's interesting about Brandwatch is that you're not, by any stretch of the imagination, a startup. The company was actually founded in 2005. That's right. Yeah, we are now 400 employees. Uh, I think it's eight offices now, Singapore being our most recent adventure. And you know what? That's just absolutely fantastic because it brings in so much, you know, color and diversity and, and, and interesting global opportunities. So you're right. We've been around, uh, you know, just like we were saying, this podcast has got a fantastic backstory and history. So has Brandwatch. We're not new kids on the block. You, you talked about the the role of social data and, and analysis and insights. I think it's important to uh, make sure that listeners understand that there really are two sides of that coin now. And, and many people who are listening to the show live this every day, but just to sort of set the stage, you sort of have these social publishing uh, platforms and software companies, and then you have the listening and analysis and sort of intelligence platforms of which Brandwatch is a leader. Yeah, that's right. Right. I think from my point of view, I'm a, I'm a CMO, I'm a marketer, like, like you know, so many of your, your listeners, I, I too work in this broad domain of communications and marketing. And I really like that old adage from the tailoring world, which is measure twice, cut once. And the emphasis is on, you know, making the right decision before you move. And, you know, we've chosen at Brandwatch to go really deep on the intelligence piece. 
we partner with great people like Hootsuite and Spreadfast and others on the engagement and publishing and all of those other important parts of the social media marketing workflow. But what we're really good at and what we're best to breed in is that deep listening, deep intelligence and, and quick insights too. Because you have so much depth on, on the insights generation side, is it true that some of your customers are, are what we would consider to be social media marketers, but some are sort of insights professionals, uh, BI folks, or I think you've called it in, in other things that you've written, uh, social consumer market intelligence or, or social CMI. Uh, can you talk about sort of your vision for, for that role and, and how it differs from sort of the marketing role? Yeah, that's a great point, Jay. So what we're experiencing, and you, you can see this really in in all sorts of types of organizations is there are people who are out-and-out analysts whose personalities, track record, you know, interests are about really wrangling the data. They love flexibility. They love the ability to drill into things. They don't want too much black box. What they want is to get their hands on the data. And, that, and those people are real connoisseurs of Brainwatch. And they're on the kind of deeper analyst side, if you like. And then there's the people. Well, I wouldn't be one of those. Then there's the people a bit more like me who are everyday marketers. They are people who want to get in and out of the platform as quickly as possible. They need to do monthly reporting. They need to you know, impress their client or give an answer to their boss about you know, where a crisis is emerging from or what, what people care about most on a given topic. And, and so there is this interesting split where you've kind of got broad and shallow on the everyday marketers. Lots of us exist but we don't want to get too deep into the platform. And then there are these connoisseurs who really, really care about the integrity of the data, the, the robustness of the sample size, the, the defensibility of the, the insight that they're going to put forward. And sometimes they're putting forward these proposals at you know, board level or C-suite level of Fortune 500 organizations. And those are a very different type of person to, to the everyday marketer. When you have new clients, do you onboard those people differently? I mean, do you, do you sort of explain the value proposition of Brandwatch differently if somebody is uh, sort of an operations-minded social media marketer versus somebody who really is more of that data-centric thinker? We do, but I think we could keep doing a better job on that. And I think as we learn and as this market is maturing, we're finding that, you know, the two groups recognize one another. And in particular... The, the champions and the deep analysts of, uh, you know, who use Brandwatch products, you know, who are, some of them are in the platform all day, every day. They want pro a product experience that their internal clients who are these everyday marketers can enjoy and benefit from and be easily onboarded to. So yes, we are. But I think what's happening is as social intelligence becomes part of the mainstream, as it doesn't become so hypey and exciting in a sort of sizzly and new way anymore. What's happening is expectations are going up and it, it's more like, well, I need to be able to share this with 300 colleagues around the world. What's their experience going to be like? And so, you know, we're moving with that. We're moving with our clients and that's really big part of our product roadmap this year. Yeah, I've said this before. It's not really about big data. It's about big understanding, right? D data in and of itself has no net present value. It's just a bunch of numbers on a page. That's one of the things that I like about Brandwatch is, is your Vizia uh, area, that, that product, which is a data visualization tool that really allows you to merchandise findings better inside the organization. Because ultimately, you know, people who, who don't do this for a living, people who are not quote unquote social pros are going to have to make decisions and take actions 
based on this data. And I really like the way you make it easier for people to say, look, here's what this actually means. Because unless you know what it means, then then why are we doing this at all, really? Absolutely. So Vizia is a gorgeous display product. It's like a command center, but increasingly our clients are using it, not just in lobbies and C-suites, but in brand workshops, in you know marketing and PR pods. And and what it does is it brings your data to life and starts with social data, but increasingly we're adding um, non-social data as well because those are the stories that you guys, our clients, want to be telling. And, and it captivates audiences. And I think what you're saying is true, Jay, which is, you know, one of our clients said to me once, the data isn't important, even the insights aren't important. Too often we get caught up on the, on the light bulb moment. And his point was, there's a, there's a what, there's a so what, and there's a now what. And he was his point like to that. me was the now what. Yeah, and the now what is what really matters. It's the compelling next step that someone's actually going to take. And, and our guys in the Vizier team are saying, you know, how many insights actually get consumed? How many PDFs actually get opened? How many PowerPoints are acted on? If we can work on that problem for our clients and help them get more engagement for the, the hard work that they do, then maybe that will help their organization get competitive advantage. Historically, Brandwatch and and, and similar platforms have focused a lot on what's being said about your brand, your company, what are your customers talking about? What do they like? What don't they like? What's the sentiment around the brand, et cetera. You're rolling out a new feature uh, soon. In fact, I'm doing a webinar with with your team on June 7th about this. Uh, Go to socialpros.com and look for Will's episode for a direct link to sign up for the webinar. It's all about this new feature set you're rolling out around competitive analysis, where where you can actually use Brandwatch data to say, "All right, here's how we're doing, and that's great. We've we've got we've we've gone from the what to the so what to the now what. But how are our competitors doing? What are they doing that is getting traction? What are they doing that's not getting traction? And then being able to take that data and build it back into your own programs. So talk about why you added that feature and and sort of how you see it fitting into the role of the social media professional. Yeah. So as you say the history of social analytics outside of the brand watch, but you know, all of the peers and competitors that play in that same space has been highly configurable and it, and essentially allowed you to start with keywords. So it's like, what are the topics I'm interested in? And then as, as this space has matured, as we, the marketing community, the digital marketing community have gotten more sophisticated, we've started to zoom in on, you know, subdomains like influencer marketing and competitor tracking, as, as you say, Jay. And for us, you know, our job is to get people to the answers they want as quickly as possible. And so we're hearing more and more from clients that being able to do that kind of competitor benchmarking is really important. And too often with Brandwatch, you would have to set up not only your brand, but the competitors. And what we want to do is get you to the the benchmark quicker. So fair enough, you know, lots of people talked about us last month, or maybe not many talked about us, but how did, importantly, what's the context? What's the competitive element? Are we doing better or worse than the competition? Are we doing better or worse than we were doing in the previous period? And we want to be serving up those answers on a plate for our users and for our customers rather than them doing the work. And so for us at Brandwatch, this is the year of intelligence we work in the field of social intelligence, but for us, intelligence is giving you no-nonsense answers and letting the platforms do the heavy lifting rather than all of the 
configuration having to come from you. Do you think it's better for people to derive value from an advanced social listening tool when they start with questions or should they start with the data and try to find patterns in the data? That is an awesome question, Jay. And it came up at our customer advisory board recently. And I ended up making a note for my team, which was maybe we could publish a paper on asking better questions of your social intelligence team. Because, because as your, your question, you know, leads us, it's, you talk to smart analysts and they're frustrated by the, can you just, can you just, you know, quickly check this out for me? Can you just have a quick look at that? They give them a tough business question, give them something pertinent and strategic and valuable, you know, whether you're an independent agency or whether you're a, a, a megacorp. I think if we, if we, the client, whether we're internal or external, ask a better question, we set a more exciting, engaging brief for the analyst. And that's when, you know, this question of ROI from social just completely disappears because the best examples I've heard of of ROI from social intelligence are where the means have been used to answer real profound customer experience or business or product or service questions. Nothing to do with inverted commas marketing. Well, that, that is an incredibly true point. Every time I've worked with social intelligence on the client side, on the consulting side, the big wins are always at the CX level. It's not make a better campaign. It's not make a better Instagram photo. It's always change the way we operate our business because we've discovered something that our customers really, really like or something that our customers really don't like. And, and we've, we've listened, we've heard them and, and we've made changes on the fly and improved the, the fundamental uh, offering of the of the organization that that's where where the real opportunities are and i think we lose sight of that sometimes because we think about well let's use data to make social media better let's use data to make marketing better that's not unimportant but but those are not yeah. big moves on the chessboard we we agree completely the most exciting examples i come across are where where as you say the cx the cx changes the product changes the service changes and that's when i i go back to my roots and i get a really warm, fuzzy feeling because, you know, I don't do what I do just to kind of make marketing campaigns better. That That is important and that's my day job. But what I really believe in is the internet and social's ability to improve our organizations and to, to as a result, you know, improve society. I think if we've got organizations that are really listening and really adapting at a quicker pace and with, you know, a bit more agility and subtlety then i think we're we're in good shape we we all remember the old days um or the older listeners certainly will of you know that sense of dealing with a faceless organization and the frustration of not being able to get through to the right person but brandwatch clients are definitely changing what they're doing in response to real customer feedback that is meaningful. Well, to get the perspective of people who work in that data and make those kind of changes and discover those kind of insights, next week on the show, uh, next week's Social Pros guest is Chuck Heeman, who is the head of analytics for the WTO group and is also the co-author of the new second edition of Digital Marketing Analytics. Chuck is one of the best and most respected digital analysts in the world. He'll be on the show next week. So listeners, tune in for that. This is going to be a great companion. We didn't set it up this way. It just worked out happy accident to have Will this week and Chuck next next week talking about digital analytics and social analytics in practice day to day for, for his corporate clients. It's going to be a lot of fun. And his new book is amazing, by the way. So, well, let me ask you this. 
Uh, yeah, it's going to be great. Um, so this is one of the things that that I really want to get your take on. A lot of the data that you ingest into Brandwatch, and this is not a Brandwatch question, this is sort of the, the nature of social listening today. Uh, not all of it, certainly. That's not a fair characterization. But a lot of the data is is Twitter-centric. Yes. Twitter's growth is not is not runaway, certainly. And and Twitter is now, at least in the US, in terms of total monthly active users, like the fifth or sixth most popular social network. So do we run a risk of saying, all right, a lot of our insights, uh, and again, not all of them, but many of them are derived from Twitter, but yet Twitter is not uh, a reflection of everybody. And so are we, are, we, are we making decisions based on less than the whole story? So here's, here's how we think about it at Brandwatch. We are delighted to be one of a very small number of official Twitter partners. And that gives us, you know, all sorts of privileges and access to, to, the, to the, the Twitter team and their most innovative offerings and so on. And that is really important. What is also really important is a globally diverse, um, appropriately representative set of data sources. And so for the team at Brandwatch, and there's a dedicated team to, to this, as you'd expect, because this is our supply chain, if you like, you know, our job is never ending. This team's job is never ending. It is to be as far reaching and as representative and as deep and wide as we can be. But as you kind of hint at, you know, some of the big social networks do not have a kind of default open uh, policy to providing social data, whether that's appropriately anonymized and aggregated, which we would very much be happy with. And in particular, given some of the big news items over the last couple of months, you know, who those guys are, are suffering and, if anything, uh, retrenching. So I think there's a really interesting tension for not just me and our company, but for us as marketers, which is we, we would love data. We would love, um, we would love access to the fullness of public social conversations. But there's a really important flip side to that, which is we as members of society um, are participating in forums and in social networks where we, where we may not want that data to be accessible or we may not realise that it is and that is playing out. And we're really open-minded about that brand watch and we're very transparent about what we do. And I think it's just going to be really interesting. It's going to be really interesting to see to see how that pans out. But from our point of view, the bottom line is there's a hell of a lot of content on the rest of the web yep. that is social, that is default open, that is you know appropriate and doesn't invade any kind of personal privacy. And our clients want insights from niche car forums, from parenting forums, from you know, new social networks and platforms in regions where their business is expanding elsewhere in the world. And so there's plenty for us to do on that front. We're not feeling terribly afraid. I'm glad you mentioned forums. We'll talk about that next week with Chuck as well. I talked about it as well in my book, Hug Your Haters, that that forums are it's still the, the most untapped source of, of customer interaction and customer data on the internet. Your very best customers are the ones who are who are posting about you or about the topic in forums. I mean, nobody goes to a forum on accident, right? They, they go because it's their tribe, 
and and we have to use that as a as an early warning indicator uh, and spend more time not only listening but I think also participating in those places. I think you're exactly right. I know you don't know the answer to this, Will, but I want to ask you just because you know as much as anybody in the world. Do you think what is your prediction? Do you think that Facebook will ever open data to to a tool like Brand Watch well, and all tools uh, and and have more open data so that you can index it and and do the kind of analysis that you want to do, or do you think that ship has sailed? My prediction is that in the foreseeable future that will not happen and as much as i would like the answer to be different i think that the risks are too high for the overall business yeah. and it they should have done it before yeah it's probably now now it's now, it's, now, it's not, now it's not a great narrative even if they did it today now it's not a great narrative before they could have exactly. done it and you're going to be fine Exactly. And I think they have a, you know, an awesomely successful business built around advertising and the, the kind of net, the marginal gain of doing something in that space versus yeah. the fear and um, muscle memory of what's gone on recently. I, I just not seeing that happening in the foreseeable future. Let me ask you a, a somewhat related question. I just, I don't know how, how you'll answer this. I don't know whether this is a net positive or something else for companies like Brandwatch. We have more and more content being created in different formats. We, we've got more photos, we've got more videos, we've got more live video, we have more stories, uh, GIFs, emojis. Does this panoply now of communication, most of it, in in some sort of photo or illustration, does, does that give you a, a, a richer tableau of things to analyze or does it make it trickier to sort of do pattern recognition or maybe both? Yes. <laughs> you stole my punchline, Jay. It's, it's yes, it's both. Wow. From a client point of view and from a user point of view, this is richer. So Brandwatch has added to its analytics platform emojis in the last 12 months. We've added image analysis the image analysis stuff is incredibly successful with our clients because it is, as you say, it's a whole new rich textured environment for them to understand the pickup of their brand, the, the, the ROI of their sponsorship because they're seeing the, the stadium or the, or the logo on a cup in places where their words would never have been mentioned. So, so yes, and it's a fearsome technical challenge because... Mm -hmm. My expectation as an outsider to the brand watch empire would be, well, surely you can do this. Surely you can just add this new <laughs> stuff. I want video. Yeah, you just, I want, you just, want just turn that on, right? Just turn that on for me. Yeah, come on. I mean, you know, there's a great point elsewhere about, you know, customer experience is now set by the best customer experience we have that day, whether it's Uber or Amazon or Starbucks or whoever the Apple is, the exemplar is. My expectations now from everything are that, that, that my experience will be that good. That's the benchmark. And, yeah. and by the same token, we now think that, you know, well, this business B2B software that I use at work should be as easy to use as those apps. It should be as all-encompassing as those apps. It should be as instant and lightning fast as those apps. And that's a brilliant challenge for those of us working in software because, you know, the benchmark just goes up and up. A number of brands use Brand Watch, uh, per the name, to to watch sentiment and, and conversation around their brand. Uh, it's certainly, it's a great tool for uh, early warning canary in the coal mine type. Hey, maybe there's a crisis brew. And in fact, you guys have published some great content about uh, social media crisis management and crisis response. Do you feel like there is an increase in brand outrage? I've seen some content to that effect, not necessarily from you, but in other places that, that consumers are quicker now to 
to be uh, offended, quote unquote, by, by brands. And then there's this sort of general piling on primarily in social media. Do you, do you think that's a, 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 a true circumstance that there is more brand outrage or are we just more aware of it now? I think as a brand watcher, I should answer by saying I'd love to quantify it because that's what we yeah. do. And, and I'd love to, I'd, I'd actually love to ask some really smart people in our company to look at that and, and find out. My gut is without that data is, is absolutely, I feel like we are living in an era where, where we know actually a lot of the time we've become savvier as consumers and we know that our voice has a bit more power than it used to. And so whether it's a Glassdoor review, an Airbnb review, an Amazon review, a Yelp review, or as you say, just uh, kind of joining large scale campaigns or, or hating in social media, I think we've learned that we might get more of what we want if we do that. And I think that, that as that feedback loop you know, cycles through, uh, brands are learning the hard way that Consumers have that voice. Uh, the C-suite pay attention to it. It's it's a highly visible broken window. Uh, things get done internally when very small, in, you know, external social media crises kick off. Uh, way smaller than the ones we're used to hearing about and seeing about. Mm. Things get done. You know, people move fast because you know members of the organisation with clout are paying attention to what's being said outside, and it's embarrassing. So I do think I do think you're right. I do think we are we are seeing more of that, but I'd love to quantify it. And as a consumer, I guess it's fantastic that we have this newfound power. I just sometimes wonder whether we're using that power for good rather than evil, right? I, I feel like there is some hostage taking yeah. going on there, and, and some offense that that is being taken, perhaps disproportionate to the actual circumstance. And and I think it's great that brands are actually listening more than they used to, and it's fantastic that they're actually making changes based on the voice of the customer, quote unquote. Uh, I just want to make sure that customers are, are holding up their end of the bargain as well. That's a great point, Jay. You know, when I when I was first doing this kind of work and training groups of marketers on, on social media back in the day, I remember asking them regularly as part of my one day approach, what do you do when you look at reviews? And what I was really relieved to hear them say was I look at the extremes and then I look at, do they care, are they talking about things I care about? So if this person's complaining about the size of the bathroom, but this person is saying it's really good because it's close to the leaning tower of Pisa, then they're making, they're making intelligent decisions about which opinion to, to respect and to, to attend to. So, th- so I think there is this polarization happening. And I think that what's good is that people are um, assessing it intelligently. But what my concern is, is that online debate doesn't feel very safe and there are polls there you know is quite polarized i was in recently an interesting discussion with friends on facebook about something that really riled up a bunch of people within our within within our social network and what i noticed was three people i know quite well left an answer but said i won't be returning to this thread and I thought that was a really interesting behavior that I hadn't seen yeah. before, which was, and it felt odd because it kind of felt like I'm listening and I'm talking back, but I won't come back again. And at the same time as feeling empathy for them, because I was guessing it was because of bad experiences previously, there was also a, a sadness about it, which is like, we've got to this point now where people 
people don't feel able to stay in a conversation. And I think that's a really intriguing next step. And, and the data shows that, that that is in particularly true in Facebook. I wrote a post about this just a couple of weeks ago, how, how Instagram is actually growing and Facebook is, is actually shrinking uh, marginally in the U.S., partially because Instagram is a more positive, quote unquote, uh, scenario. And you just don't have the same kind of angst and back and forth conversations and arguments. And, uh, and people are growing a little weary of, of that on Facebook. So it's an interesting, interesting time for sure. Is it, what, what's your favorite social platform personally? Like what, what, what is it Facebook? What do you use the most? I would have to say, you know, selfishly Instagram. I absolutely love Instagram. I have loved it from the day I joined uh, I love the visual nature of it. I love the interactions. Business-wise, I've got, you know, for me, I've, I've got a constant habit to be on Twitter, to be tweeting, to be checking. It's where I get all of my news. But I've kind of started looking at LinkedIn more and more. Yeah. So I yeah. think the, the news feed on LinkedIn has been, I mean, there are some, you know, there's some silliness there, but actually... I've found that they've got more of my attention than they used to have. I agree. They're doing a much better job. And uh, it's a good segue as well. Three weeks from now, our guest on the show will be Melanie Dodaro. Uh, and Melanie wrote the best-selling book on LinkedIn for business and LinkedIn for marketing. So uh, make sure you tune in for that episode. Melanie Dodaro in three weeks, all about LinkedIn. I agree about Instagram. In fact, I predict, this, this may be crazy, but this was my prediction in my recent article, that by 2020, Instagram will surpass Facebook in daily active users in the United States. Uh, we'll see if that happens, but uh, I, I, think I think they've got all of the, all of the ingredients um, and, and none of the drawbacks that, that Facebook is, is, uh, you know, has hung around their own neck in a lot of ways. We'll see. I love that prediction, Jay. I'm, I'm, I'm loving the prediction. I, I would plus one it. Good. That's nice to hear. You wrote a book called Culture Shock, a handbook for 21st century business. You wrote it in 2012. Uh, congratulations on, on, on getting Culture Shock put together. I suspect in that book, I haven't had a chance to read it, but I'll, I'll pick it up. I suspect you made some predictions and some, and some um, premises. How, how, how right or wrong were you? Were, were the, I know as, as somebody who's written a bunch of books as well, and, and you write books about marketing and digital marketing, you always sometimes feel like, yeah, I nailed that one. And others like, boy, I wish I would have had that prediction back. Uh, anything yeah. anything in, uh, in Culture Shock, you're like, boy, uh, you know, I, either, I either nailed it or, or maybe I was wrong. It's a really nice opportunity to reflect. I think I nailed the themes uh, but I chose examples that now I would look at to illustrate those themes and I would, being slightly older and slightly more sceptical and, and having been immersed in a very data-driven environment for the last nearly five years at Brandwash, I, would, I, I didn't pick the best examples always. And I think they, they haven't stood the, the, the test of time as well as the themes. The themes... I believe in as much today as I did when I wrote it. And I think a lot of what we've talked about today, Jay, is, is in there. You know, so one for me would be around just the fact that the web has made the world a more transparent and open place, whether we like it or not, whether it's salary data, Glassdoor reviews, Yelp, as we touched on a few minutes ago. I think that, you know, the book is really about what does the internet do to organizations and and so at that level, I'm happy with it. You ever think about writing, uh, writing the second edition? I'd love to write another book. I, d I don't know what I'd write it about, to be honest. I'm, I've got a lot of respect for you and the, and the books that you've published. And I love seeing people who, whose um, output is 
continued. That was a body of work that I'd, I'd spent time developing and through talks and training materials and writing. And then the book was kind of fairly easy as a result. I'd love sure. to write another book. I'm not sure about you, Jay, but I enjoy the process, but, but I'm not ready yet. There isn't something I need to get out there. <laughs> I totally understand where you're coming from. Absolutely. Now, Will, you were also a, a rugby player at the University of Liverpool. Do you sometimes oh, well. feel that the social technology business is very similar to a game of rugby? Uh, and, and I'm sure that, 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 that path uh, of, your, of your life uh, has come in handy sometimes. Oh, I love it. I, I do. Now you mention it. I think you, um, we, we, yeah, it's, um, there's a lot of rough and tumble, you know, it's, yes, it's a, it's a tough game and it's very physical and, and exhausting, but you're there, you're there with your, your brothers, your, your comrades around you. Uh, the sense of team is absolutely vital. You, no one person can win a game, you know. I do. Yes. <laughs> Good. Uh, well, I'm going to ask you the two questions that we've asked all 317 uh, guests on the show who have preceded you on social pros. The first question uh, is what one tip would you give somebody who's, who's looking to become a social pro? I would say, say yes. So, you know, the best moments of my life have been when a, an open door has been presented to me and I've not really known what's on the other side of it, but I've gone for it anyway. And I think that this is this is a broad this is a broad thing. But when I meet the people I consider to be social pros out there in the world at events, they're they're adventurers and they have been through stuff. And to your point about is it a bit like a game of rugby? You've got to have a few scars and you've got to have, um had some formative experiences and failed plenty of times. So I'm not sure if that's a little bit too, um, you know, life coaching, but that's, that's my answer. Oh, I love it. I think it's, I think it's terrific and very, very true for this industry. Well said. Last question for Will McInnes, who is the chief marketing officer of brand watch. If you could do a, a zoom video call with, with any living person, who would it be? Will? I would love to talk to Barack Obama. I would just love, I would just love to, even to just, even to just say hello would be fantastic. And to hear some of the stories that he's the guy that, that comes to mind. Sheryl Sandberg popped into my head as well. She's a business leader I really admire, but it would have to be President Obama. We've had uh, two or three answers of President Obama in the past, but I think you're the first Englishman to to name check our president. So we, as a former colony, we appreciate uh, your your uh, will, willingness to acknowledge uh, our leaders. That's very kind of you. Well, very magnanimous. <laughs> I will be out there in uh, November for uh, the Upreneur Summit, fantastic event run by Chris Ducker, all for uh, individuals who are really looking to build their personal brand and take it to the next level. I'm going to keynote that event. Uh, I want to make sure that we get a chance to uh, to have a pint when I'm out there. Absolutely. I look forward to it, Jay.
Thank you so much for having me. My pleasure. We'll make it happen. That's Will McInnes, who's the CMO of Brandwatch, fantastic social intelligence company. Also a terrific sponsor of this podcast. Thank you, Will and team, uh, for making that happen. As I mentioned, I'm doing a webinar with uh, Will's group uh, in early June, all about competitive social listening and how to use competitive data. So tune in for that. Go to socialpros.com to find the link and to RSVP for the webinar. And speaking of socialpros.com, every single transcript, every single audio recording, every single uh, sponsorship, free ebook, etc., is there. 318 episodes dating back eight years. Check it out. You can get lost for the weekend at socialpros.com. My friends, next week, Mr. Adam Brown will be back with me. It's been three weeks since Adam and I were on the microphone together. Unbelievable. We're going to be back together next week talking to Chuck Heeman, who is the head of analytics for the WTO group and the co-author of the second edition of the book, Digital Marketing Analytics, just comes out now. Terrific, terrific book. If you're into the social media math, and you probably are if you're listening to this episode as well, you're going to want to hear our show next week with Chuck and grab his book as well. Until then, I am Jay Baer, founder of Convince and Convert on behalf of Adam Brown of Salesforce Marketing Cloud, and this week's special guest, Will McGinnis from Brandwatch. Thanks so much for listening. And we'll catch you next week. Thanks for listening to Social Pros. Please leave a review and subscribe on iTunes or on your favorite podcast listening app. Go to socialpros.com for a complete show archive and for our greatest hits. Social Pros is sponsored by Convince and Convert, Salesforce Marketing Cloud, and by Yext. And it's produced by my team and I at Convince and Convert Media. If you're interested in being a guest or a sponsor on the show, visit us at Convince and Convert dot com.